Hi folks, Curtis Shelburne here, and welcome to the Focus on Faith with Curtis Shelburne podcast. A good place just to be and breathe and hang out for a while as we share some words about life in Christ. And that's all of it, I think. Life, that is. The good, the bad, the fun, the sad, the deepest joys, the toughest sorrows. All of it. I think we're going to have a good time, and I hope you enjoy this. I hope you tell your friends about it, and I hope you come back. This episode, episode number 30, is entitled, I Dreamed a Strange Dream. I don't know, sometimes I wonder if there are any other kind. When I dream, and I'm aware that I dream, now we're told by those who study such things that we always dream. We'll talk more about that in just a bit. But when I'm aware that I dream, more often than not, they're strange dreams. Sometimes that's just okay, and sometimes it's kind of scary and not much fun, and sometimes it's annoying, etc. But we all do it. I was thinking about dreams, and I remembered one of the most famous dreams that's ever been dreamed. The story is back in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. Oh, there are so many great stories there. I wish we would spend more time talking to our kids about them. I suspect the stories such as this one about Joseph will bless our children more than stories about SpongeBob SquarePants. But anyway, and so many of the stories in Genesis, I mean, they're just a huge breadth of stories there. But when you talk about Joseph, you get a whole treasure trove of stories. I won't go into the whole thing or we'll be here way too long, but you remember how Joseph was a good guy. He was a handsome guy. He was really an impressive guy. Early on in his life, he may have been a tad too much impressed with himself. I don't know that that's true. There were some pretty impressive things that happened to him that he told about, and maybe he shouldn't, but he couldn't hardly help it. For whatever reason, his brothers got enough of it, and they end up deciding that he needed to have a comeuppance, and they use some kind of a downuppance to get it done. Remember, they threw him into a pit, and it just was pure bad luck for Joseph that some Ishmaelite traders came by. Actually, it was Providence. His brothers were so mean, some of them, that they decided to send him off with the Ishmaelite traders. They're going to sell him rather than kill him, which I guess is better. It's kind of hard to talk about what's better, isn't it, when you're being sold by your brothers or killed by your brothers or whatever. You're in a tough position. Anyway, he goes off to Egypt, and everything that he does prospers. He becomes there, even though he's a slave, the servant who is in charge of Potiphar's household. And Potiphar was a big guy in Pharaoh's army. So quite a nice thing, really, until Potiphar's wife has designs on Joseph uh, romantically, and she tries to get him to go to bed with her, just to make the long story a bit shorter. And she lies about him, and he gets canceled, as we might say today. In this case, he didn't deserve it at all. He absolutely was the best kind of guy. He resisted her advances. But who's Potiphar going to believe? And even if he believes Joseph, how good is his life going to be if he says that he doesn't believe his wife? He's going to have problems. And he's not the kind of guy that likes problems, so he throws Joseph into jail. Well, you remember that as the story goes on, and I can't talk about all of it right now, or again, we'll never get done, but if you look at chapter 40 of Genesis, you find that, uh, as it says, sometime later, 
the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. And then with all sorts of due process, I'm sure. Yeah, right. Pharaoh, who was angry with them, threw them into prison. They were there in the same prison where Joseph was confined. Joseph was there. He'd already found favor with the captain of the guard there, even in prison. But the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt now, who are really pretty high officials, are there in prison. They had a dream on the same night. And as we're told in the book of Genesis, each dream had a meaning of its own. Joseph goes to see them the next morning. At least he wakes up in the same prison they're in, and he realizes that they're really dejected. He'd gotten to know them a little bit, evidently. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were in custody with him in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? And they say, well, we both had dreams, but there's no one to interpret them. So Joseph says to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. And so the chief cupbearer goes first, and he said, In my dream, I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. And so Joseph says, Well, here's what it means. Those three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. And of course, he says, now, when all of this goes well, as I'm telling you that it will, please be sure and remember me to Pharaoh. Now, the chief baker is listening to all of this. This is a great story. The chief baker is listening to all of this, and he likes what he hears. Oh, yeah, that's a good interpretation. So, I can't wait to tell Joseph my dream and get my good interpretation. Well, he got a good one in the sense that it was an accurate one, but uh, listen to this. I, too, had a dream, he says to Joseph. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Now, I think you'll agree that's a strange dream. But Joseph doesn't hesitate. Maybe he does a little bit. I don't know. I'd like to have seen his face because it's not the kind of dream that you enjoy interpreting. The three baskets are three days. So far, so good. Within three days, oh, it goes downhill now. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree and the birds will eat away your flesh. Wow. Well, I wonder what the baker looked like when he got that news. I wonder if he shrieked. I wonder if he gulped, surely. I wonder if he thought, wow, I wish I hadn't asked. But it certainly came true. So there you have a couple of strange dreams and the interpretation. Yes, they're accurate, but they're quite different in their import for the two guys asking for interpretations. Well, these dreams actually were real dreams that had real consequences. And so we have some strange dreams here, but these, I guess, are a couple of the most famous dreams of all. Kind of makes you think, and think we will a little bit more as I tell you about a strange dream of my own in just a little bit. First of all, a little bit of an ad here. 
As you know, I have just recorded an album. You know if you've been listening to these podcasts because I've talked about it a lot. The album is called Almost Home, and I really hope it takes us almost home as we listen to it and hear some of the great old songs that are there that a lot of us grew up with and some other songs that might be a little bit newer, a couple at least, that I think you'll really like. If you'd like to check it out, go to my website, www.curtisshelburn, no space there, and Shelburne has an E on it, .com, www.curtisshelburn.com, and I'd love for you to see what you think about it. There's some other good items there, some other good music, and a lot of things that are free. So this is your special invitation, just to head over to the website and check it out, look at some of the stuff, listen to some of the stuff. Again, just let me know what you think. If you'd like to ask a question about anything, if you'd like to order multiple copies and maybe get a special deal on some of the stuff, I can sure do that. All you have to do is fill out the contact submission form. It's just an email, really. Send it my way, and I'll get back to you. CurtisShelburne.com. Thanks for visiting. So that's my ad for today. And now, let's focus on faith. Yes, everybody dreams, or so the sleep experts say. I personally feel like I feel most refreshed when I wake up with no memory of dreaming at all during the night. I think I feel most exhausted when I have had a bad or intensely frustrating dream. Well, I don't just think that. It's true. I get up a time or two in the night, and then you know how it is. You go to the bathroom or something. You get a drink of water. You go back to bed, and each time you're launched right back into the same past midnight mess. If I remember what I learned in some long-ago psychology class, maybe I just dreamed this. We all dream during sleep, but the only time we remember the dreams is when we wake up during them. And even then, as you know, they soon vanish like the morning mist. And for a whole lot of them, well, at least a number of them, good riddance. What do you make of the ones that don't just vanish? What do you make of the dreams that are particularly memorable for good or ill? Some are jumbles, of course, that make no sense at all. I chalked them up to fried jalapenos the night before. You know, old Scrooge told the ghost of Marley, remember, you may be a bit of underdone potato. Well, there are dreams like that. Some are pretty easily and obviously interpreted. Still, if a counselor or a therapist tells you, oh, I know exactly what that means, you need to fire them. He or she might have a suspicion, and depending upon how wise or crazy, crazy, by the way, is a technical psychological term, depending on how wise or crazy the professional is, they might be right on target, but a good one will ask the client, tell me, what do you think that might mean? Now I know that can drive you crazy. They can talk to you like that for hours. Well, what do you think about that? But they really do want you to talk. They really do want you to talk about your feelings about that dream or that situation. They want you to hear yourself talking about that situation 
and come to some conclusions that they can help you, maybe just lead you toward where they can help you. And so most of them are not going to say, well, I think this is exactly what that means. They might give a clue or two eventually, but first of all, they're going to ask you, well, I'm just going to talk to you today. I'm not going to pay for a therapist, though there are times when a good one is worth his or her weight in gold, I'll tell you. And there are times, well, all the time when a bad one is about the worst thing you can imagine. But a lot of them can do us a great deal of good, and we shouldn't hesitate to go when we need them. In fact, it's a good idea to have one around that you really like and really trust and that you know will be there for you and your family if you run up against something tough. But let me today, let me just talk to you about a dream that I dreamed. And then let me ask you, tell me, what do you think that might mean? In a recent dream, it was a Saturday night, by the way, As a pastor, I have to confess to you, I'm not all that fond of Saturday nights. I dreamed that I was at a Christian church, Protestant for sure, and Baptist, I think. I'm not saying anything against anybody else, you understand. That's just the feature of my dream at that point. I think the choir, which was behind me, was flanked by the piano on one side and the organ on the other, pretty much the standard thing. I was preaching at a weekend revival. Maybe that was the first problem. I'd rather be doing the music. I've done some music for a Baptist revival and that kind of thing, and singing, as far as I'm concerned, is easier than preaching, though I love to preach too. Second problem, though, it was a short revival. Somehow we'd gotten our wires crossed. For some weird reason, the bulletin said the local pastor was going to preach the Sunday morning sermon, No offense to him, I guess we were already supposed to be revived after Saturday, but there I was again, and he kindly asked me to preach. And that's sort of a weird arrangement. That probably wouldn't happen on a normal revival, but things went south. First of all, I'd misplaced my coat. I looked all over, but I couldn't find it. My suit coat. Now, we don't even wear suit coats much. I don't at church anymore, but... You know, at a revival, you're visiting and whatever, and it's always better to dress up rather than to dress down. And so I had my suit coat, or at least I was supposed to have my suit coat, but I didn't have it. Looked all over. Couldn't find it anywhere. Oh, well. And I'd had a message prepared, but when my time came to bat, I couldn't find that either. Now, that's a problem. For some reason, though, I had with me two large folders full of old sermon manuscripts. So I rifled through, retrieved one, and homiletically launched out, not very sure of where I was going. An illustration started at the bottom of one page. I'd written it. I could tell that it was my handwriting, but I didn't remember it. I confidently jumped into it anyway, fervently hoping that it was continued on the next page. Maybe it was, but at some point, as I recall, the pages were blank. I was about to crash and burn. I was about to fly that sermon right into the ground, and it was pilot error for sure. You never want to do that, not standing in a pulpit in front of a crowd, and worse, I had a pastor brother and friend or two, excellent preachers, sitting in the back of the sanctuary. 
Ah, well, a choir member or someone near the front suddenly had some sort of medical crisis. That's a bad thing, but the good news is attention was diverted and that sermon is forever unfinished. Unless I have to give it another try tonight. I hope not. Jalapenos? Quite likely. Or am I just a small church pastor dealing with the same challenges most of my breed are dealing with these days? Stuff we feel, mostly irrationally, responsible for but can't control. And I'm letting that bug me worse than I thought. And so here is not a dream, but an eight-word sermon to me. You might be able to use it yourself. God is in control. Now sleep, fool. Amen. Again, thanks so much for joining us on this Focus on Faith with Curtis Shelburne podcast. I'm so glad you chose to be with us today, and I hope you'll come back and spend some time with us again. If you like it, why don't you tell some friends about it? I sure would appreciate that. Have a great day.